0: We'll start off with Psalms chapter 8, or Psalm 8, uh, which is on page 539 of the Blue Bibles. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. To silence the foe and the avenger. and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Next, we'll be reading from Revelation, and we'll be reading chapter 4, which is on page 1239 of the Blue Bibles. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all round, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being.
1: Well, it is good to be with you uh, as always, and I'm looking forward to um, this this series. It is a bit different. Um, we'll get back into our usual practice of going through um, books of the Bible after this series in Romans one to four, but I'm looking forward to really gra- grappling with what matters to us as uh, as God's people. As I said before, have a book in front of you that will be helpful and um, and let me pray and then we'll uh, get right into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come together on another glorious day, a hot day, um, and consider how everything is centred around your Son. We pray now, Lord, that you'll help us to see that uh, magnifying your glory um, is what you want from us. Amen. So, as uh, we've already pointed out uh, today and it should be clear, is one of our key purposes um, for us is magnification and probably it's the one you're thinking, why use that word and what's that about and that's the weird one, the other words might make a bit more sense to you and so today I want you to hopefully see that really, this is at the very heart and centre, kind of what Meredith said with the sun um, illustration that uh, she had. Everything is centred around the sun, uh, the sun Jesus, and so everything is magnifying on him. But before we get there, I just, as I brought up before, is think about purpose, because when you when you think about why do you do what you do. When you think about purpose, do you ever ask yourself the question, why did I do that? Or is that just me? Sometimes you, you do something and you go, well, why? Why, would I, why did I do that? That was pointless. So, if there's something that you did that you thought, well, that was a silly idea to do, it's because often you think, well, that was pointless. There was no reason for it. It wasn't worthwhile. Because actually, the way we're made is to have purpose. It's to have a meaning, a reason for doing what we do. And so when it comes to God's people coming together, and if you are here with us and you're not sure where you are with God, this series is actually really great because you have greater clarity on what it means uh, to have purpose following Jesus. If we're going to be together as God's people, surely we want our meaning to have real purpose. That what we do isn't just because that's the way it's always done or it's a tradition or we've been going for three years. So we've got some really long-held traditions here at Trinity Church, right? We've been doing it forever, three years. Or is it because it's helpful for some other reason that gives us real purpose in relation to God? Because when we think about it, if we have a purpose, where does it come from? And I think there's three things in our life where we can figure out our purpose. It comes from me, yourself. We determine a lot of things about our lives about that give us value and meaning and a reason for doing things. Do we all do the same job? No. That wouldn't work in society, for one, but we all have different things that we kind of gives us purpose in of themselves. I was an occupational therapist. Now I'm a pastor. My wife, Jen, was a nurse and now she's an uh, education support officer. I could not think of two other things that would just destroy me <laughs> to do those things, not because they're not of great value and purpose for society, but because I wouldn't find particular meaning in them for myself. But for Jen, she's loved and valued both of those things. I thought being an occupational therapist was a great thing to do and I could see how I could contribute in uh, in uh, helping people in their, in their daily living and all sorts of other things. And then, well, I thought, if life is all about following Jesus and God has given me um, some gifts to share it, maybe that should be where my purpose directs. You do the same thing in your lives. You think about things and you do them. It doesn't have to be about work. Sometimes we just do a job because the purpose it gives us is to provide for money and that's good too. But all sorts of things we do, we do them for a reason. We come up with them ourselves. Sometimes, though, it's not because of ourselves; it's because of others. That we have a mentor, we have a parent. Um, you know, in uh, often in sporting worlds, some great uh, uh, sportsmen had those kind of crazy, intense parents that you know make them be good at the sport from when they were you know two months old, and then they become like a super. Uh, amazing child like, you know, Serena Williams and Tiger Woods and there was that Australian female tennis player who had the crazy dad who, I can't remember his name now, yeah, like, And those kids, they found their purpose in me, not so much from themselves, it was kind of instilled in them from their parents. And sometimes in a positive way, not in a negative way like that necessarily, that where we have people, others instilling with us, maybe you'd find value in that. Or there's a third option as well. And while we may have those um, on a lesser extent that isn't bad, the third option is that the one behind what's made gives it purpose, that is God. And so, if we are made by God, He establishes our purpose. And so, we often go back to Genesis chapter 1, And we see in 26 and 27, which we're not going to go into depth today because it's one of those talks where um, we want to cover a a whole lot of territory we won't go into it in great depth here, is that we are made in the image of God. That God made us to reflect His character, to rule the world under Him, Genesis says. That is why we were made. There is a purpose there and it's made in His image under Him which directs us towards what we do, points towards Him because we should not do it on our own way and rebel against it, which is kind of what happens in Genesis, doesn't it? But instead, to honour and reflect what He has done because He's made us to reflect Him. The Creator, God Himself, is the one that can give us purpose. So why then, why then talk about magnification, and what you'll see, we'll talk about God's glory a lot today, as being this purpose. Well, I want to give you one image, hopefully each week I'll have one image, I was wanting to find a really big magnifying glass, if anyone's got one I'd love it, Um, but a magnifying glass is the idea I want you to take take away from the idea today. You see, what does a magnifying glass do? Stupid question, but someone tell me. What does it do? Makes things bigger. Does anyone use microscopes? Why don't anyone use microscopes in their work? How big can they make things? Huge. <laughs> Is that the scientific size? Correct, thank you. <laughs> thank you. They, they make things massive. What don't magnifying glasses and microscopes do? They don't make something in of itself grow. They don't change it. They don't make it bigger in of itself. They put a spotlight on it. They enhance it by showing it in a new light. You see, we magnify God's glory, we don't make God glorious. Like the magnifying glass, the microscope, shines a light on what you're looking at and makes it bigger, we see that magnification is all about us putting a spotlight on who God is, how big He is, giving Him honour and praise. So, for the next few moments, I just want us to see why this should be our purpose. And it's just three simple points that I want us to see. They're up on the screen there, we'll we'll break them down in a moment. First of all, there's a significant focus of God's glory in His Word that we should shine a light on. If you spend any time going through the whole Bible, you'll see it's just there all the time. Secondly, what God has done is glorious and deserves our magnification of it. And thirdly, Responding to God's glory in praise and thankfulness is why we exist. So I want you to see those things and I hope what you go is, you know what, an idea that I haven't given much thought to but I know it's kind of in the background of the Bible comes front and centre of who we see God is. So first of all, it's a significant focus of God's glory is in His Word. The sheer weight of how often God is told of being glorious and being holy. So, glory is a word, just to give you a bit of a context without going into a mega deep concept, the word itself kind of means weighty, heavy, if you take it out of its context. And so, God's glory is just so huge and big and weighty and magnificent, right? And so, His glory has it being shone on because it's so significant. 148 times in the Old Testament, glory is talked about. God's glory and how it should be responded to. It's a big theme. In the creation story at the beginning, we see how it is magnificent. It is glorious. Moses, what happens to Moses when he goes up the mountain? There's a burning bush and he can't go near it because God is so holy, it's so glorious, so weighty, so big, he can't get into that presence, so he's got to take off his sandals because holy, glorious ground. There's a big theme in the Bible of glory versus the people's lack of glory, if you like. So what's, why do the people, um, God's people, after Abraham, need To do sacrifices? Because God is perfect, good and holy and they are tainted and full of sin. And so the contrast is God's goodness and His glory, the people aren't that, how does that work together? And there's this sacrificial system brought in. God is described as holy. Isaiah, that massive uh, book uh, in in the Old Testament which highlights um, that God is going to come and rescue His people through a suffering servant. When Isaiah was sent out, what was he con- uh, confronted with? His lack of holiness and how glorious God is. Let me just read to you um, a little bit from Isaiah 6. This isn't up on the screen, but let me just um, read it to you. Isaiah 6. As we go there, you can follow along with me if you've got a Bible in front of you. He, Isaiah, was At the sound of their voices the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King of the Lord Almighty. Isaiah's gone, seen the picture of everyone praising God's glory by saying he's holy, holy, holy and he sees himself and he thinks, what am I doing here? I am so unholy, this is bad for me. Woe, which is the word used to freak out with. The significant focus of God's glory in the the Bible is is quite overwhelming. Um, Those of you who did our Bible in the year last year and we finished it um, at the end of January, you read the Psalms quite a lot. Have you ever read the Psalms? Have you noticed how they're always talking about praising God, praising God, His glory covers the earth? We read Psalm 8 today, His glory fills the earth psalm 19 the whole book of psalms highlights to the fact that god is worthy of praise because of his glory and that's where the whole book ends it's the it, be, it became the songbook of uh, the israelites Christ, uh, christianity uses psalms to remind ourselves of how great god is and what he's done for us in jesus god is significantly glory and that leads us to our second point what God has done is glorious and deserves a magnification of it. You see, what has God done that is so glorious? Well, that's our first reading today in Psalm 8. There's a little snippet of it up on the screen. It's what we've already kind of alluded to. "'Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth! You have set Your glory in the heavens!' God is glorious because He has made this universe. We, we just had a quick snippet of uh, the whole planets. That is just mind-blowing, <laughs> that that is what's there. And we're discovering more and more how big it is. And His glory, and that He created this, and it all holds together by Him. How majestic is your name. Your glory... He goes into all of the universe, into the heavens, beyond us, beyond what we can even imagine, is how glorious God is. And so the psalmist considers this and how great it is and is blown away by the fact that he even bothers to care about us in uh, 3 and 4. And then at the end of the psalm, it comes back to it. See what it says there? Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, in the heavens and this place that we inhabit, his name is the majestic one who should be glorified creation means that god is worthy of praise and we should put a spotlight on it our existence is to put a magnifying glass to god's glory and bring it to him that's what revelation 4 starts with right that whole thing there come up on the screen. All those crazy creatures and all the things that they're doing, right? That you saw there. We did Revelation 1-5 in uh, 2016 if you want to understand what's all going on there. But this picture of the heavens and you see what are all of the um, creatures doing? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They are giving praise to God. Glory is in what God has made. But here's the big thing. This is really why magnification is so important. God's glory doesn't stop at creation. What we didn't read is Revelation 5. In Revelation 5, as the creatures are continuing to give praises to God, where does the focus go? Look at verse 9 on the screen. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and wisdom. And strength and honor and glory and praise then I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying that everyone to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever God's glory the one who is praised the reason that God is glory uh, is to be magnified is because He has rescued us through his own sacrifice. You see there where it says the lamb who was slain? If you're not aware, the context of that is is that Jesus is described as the lamb who dies in our place. All the Old Testament sacrifices which they did to deal with their problem with God, which couldn't really fix it, they were just pointing to the fact that Jesus dies in our place so that we can have life with him and he is still reigning, he's on the throne. The, the, the slain lamb is living, he's conquered death. He sits on the throne and what is the, he given? He is given the honour, glory and praise. The lamb is God who, gives, who gets the honour, glory and praise. Jesus is the one in which everything revolves around. It's back to the the um, planet illustration. Everything revolves around the sun. S-O-N. Not U-N. Everything revolves around Jesus because he is the one who has died for us and that is his glory. God's glory... How bizarre is this? For a moment, just think about it this moment. When we think about glory, we're thinking about good, right? We're thinking about how great it is and how holy and good. But the high point of His glory is the most despicable thing that's ever happened in human history. The death of the Lord Jesus. And that's where His glory is found. What an extraordinary paradox. Jesus Himself said this. Have a look. Now, you've got a Bible in front of you. Just turn to John 17. I didn't put this on the screen, but I'll read it to you if you don't have one there. But let me read to you John 17. This is a last-minute edition as I saw this and thought, yeah, this is definitely worth putting in. Jesus um, uh, said this as he looked toward heaven and prayed. So he's praying. He's talking with his Father. It's this beautiful relationship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says to his Father, 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 The hour has come, glorify your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus saying to his Father, I'm just about to do the work of our triumphant glory. Give me glory and I give it back to you. And so thirdly, with this picture of extraordinary glory that we should be so full of thanks and praise for is where our last point goes. If we see that God is this glorious in His creation and his saving us, we respond to God's glory in praise and thankfulness. It's what is expected of us. That's what magnification is. Us pointing towards putting a spotlight on God's glory by being a people of praise, thankfulness and joy. It's what the Apostle Paul in so many of his letters said that he said, I always thank God for you. If we go to Romans, we go to Ephesians, we go to the um, other letters and, and you know the Thessalonians. He says, "I always thank God for you." He's talking about the people. He says, "I always thank God for you because what God has done in you." It even gets better in how we respond. We respond in thankfulness because when we suffer, we actually participate in the glory Jesus has. He includes us in His glory. Did you know that? You know when someone includes you in something they're doing and you really enjoy it? I don't know if you were ever on the school playground and when you, you got included in a game you wanted to play, or maybe it was just me, I never got included and in that one time when I did it was really special. I don't know, that may be just me, but um, when you're included in something and you're part of it, you're blown away and it's really valuable. Well, look at 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. We've done 1 Peter not that long ago and we saw that suffering is good because it helps us come, uh, be more like Jesus? Well, let's be reminded of this little section here in 1 Peter 13 and 16. Peter's telling all the scattered um, followers, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. How, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed but praise God that you bear that name. See, It's not that we can see God's glory from a distance. We get wrapped up in it. But not in our triumphant prosperity, in our bearing the suffering of saying we're a follower of Him as He went before us. And we praise God as a response. You see, it's the response to, in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. That makes more sense now, doesn't it? We, our sin, is in contrast to the glory of God and what's the thing that resolves this problem that we have? The lamb that was slain. And that is why we magnify God's glory. Our response to God's glory, it's an all-of-life thing, as you see there. We'll get to Sundays in a moment, but it's an all-of-life thing. We don't think of glory as being this special thing. We definitely don't think of magnifying God as just singing, as super important as that is. Have a look at Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you want to magnify God's glory, you take this flesh and everything that is part of you and you think everything you do, I want to worship God in. The mundane to the significant moments of spiritual life, we're reading God's Word, we're coming together as God's people, to our work life, to whatever we do, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, giving up of ourselves because He is so glorious. I could spend heaps more time on that, but I won't today. And thirdly, We gather together to magnify God's glory because it's essential. God didn't make us to magnify His glory as individuals. If you like, we should have one big magnifying glass that we all hold on to, shine a light on, because we are His people. So we do come together. We come together in smaller groups. We come together on Sunday and when we do that, it's a hot spot, if you like. It's a significant time where we come and everything we do on Sunday has the goal of glorifying Him. That makes sense, doesn't it? To our singing together, which should be full of praise and worship. To me speaking to you now should bring glory and honour to God. You wrestling with it and listening to it, to the reading of God's Word, to the um, the prayers that we'll have a little bit later. We, we started today with a, a confession. We don't always do confession every week but if we're thinking about how glorious God is and we've seen our problem, it was a good idea to actually acknowledge that before we come to this today. We do that for God's glory. We do everything with this framework. Now, this is not uncommon to us. Uh, those of you who have been at Trinity Church before we moved here and we're over there. We used to have banners that were up here, right? We haven't got rid of the banners. It's just because we've had a name change and we've got new names. We're going to restructure them. But can anyone remember what was on the top of this banner? Just as a point of interest to make me happy. Sorry? That's the other one, so that's good. So just hold that for next week, Julie. That'll be great. Um, can anyone remember what's on the top of this banner? Uh, that's on the other banner as well. So you and Julie, next week, jump to, jump to it. What do we exist for? We exist for God's glory by God's grace. All right? So we'll, we'll, we'll create our new banners. But we had that up every Sunday to remind ourselves, this is not new to us, we've just kind of rebadged and refocused things. We exist for God's glory, by God's grace. It's the very heart of what we believe. And because of that, I think actually it's been one of the best things about planting um, our, our church is that I actually realised, I think I may have said this to you before, but before um, doing the plant, I don't think I had a proper focus on this, that I don't think I had enough focus on thankfulness and praise in my ministry before then. But when you have this focus, you see, we need to have a culture of being thankful and praise and joy to God. And so, in your booklets, as, we, as we're getting near the end, I have gone on a little bit uh, longer. I've been doing that a lot lately, so, oh uh, well, you're here, so that's all good. Um, um, if you haven't looked in your booklets, you see there, why I want you all to have one is because we put a lot of detail into helping you see what's going on. Um, and you can see there what how um, all of our network churches, we all have these same purposes, we all structure everything the same way, which is enormously helpful. We've spent a lot of time working on it. And you can see there, and I think i put up on the screen there if you haven't got it in front of you, living for God's glory is the first and mo- most important purpose in the Christian life. We magnify the glory of God, the Father, Son and Spirit as we orient our whole lives around serving and enjoying Him. This impacts our work, family, ambitions and all that we do. I want you to meditate on that, pray about that, think about that. Because of that, what that purpose is for us, what it looks like is, is that we develop passionate adoration, praise and thanksgiving among God's people as we respond to God's grace to us in Jesus. We are actually supposed to be expressive people, passionate people. And we all are very different, you know me, I don't do hugs. Uh, but we, we have passion. So, we see there, our purpose is that we express it through godly affections of delight, joy, assurance, thanksgiving and lament. And so, this is our purpose. Being part of Trinity Church, here at Golden Grove, we want every member to be passionate about creating this culture of joy, thankfulness and praise to God as our prayer, as a ministry team and as we want, want you to commit to.